Guys, we're going to be bringing in our first guest this morning. Our first guest is Daniela Ellebeck, who is an attorney of the High Court of South Africa. And she represents an organization called 4SA, that's Freedom of Religion South Africa. If you've been listening to this podcast or this show for any length of time, you've often heard us um, uh, introduce uh, the Freedom of Religion uh, South Africa. They are a legal advocacy organization which works to protect and promote your constitutional right to religious freedom uh, in our country and this morning we are going to be talking about the hate crimes bill Daniela um, it's great to have you on with us this morning thank you for joining us oh no 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 you are muted <laughs> rookie error I'm so sorry I'm having so many tech issues this hey, morning no, um, no, no judgment from me I get it wrong all the time too <laughs> but it's good to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. So this morning we're going to be talking about the prevention of hate crimes and combating of hate speech bill. It's commonly known as the hate speech bill. Uh, Parliament uh, met on the bill twice last week, namely Tuesday the 31st of January and Wednesday the 1st of February. It was a busy week last week. It's been a busy week this week with Sona and all. But the question that I'd like us to uh, engage on in order to start off, uh, Danielle, is um, uh, really just a recap of what this bill is all about. So to recap, the bill proposes criminalizing hate speech, which the bill in simple language defines as any expression mark that one, incites harm, and two, promotes or propagates hatred against three, a group of people specifically listed in the book. So we see that the proposed crime of hate speech has three elements. It must incite harm, it must promote or propagate hatred, and it needs to be targeted against a group of people specifically listed in the bill. Now, for this crime, the bill is proposing up to a maximum sentence in prison of eight years. Sure. So what are 4SA's heads of argument or concerns regarding this bill? You can see you've been hanging out with some lawyers. <laughs> it's an argument, hey? Legal yeah, term no, like that. I, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm <laughs> learning. <laughs> Our primary concern, Mark, is that the current definition of hate um, of the hate speech in the bill is overbroad because, as we've said, in simple terms, the crime has three elements. Mm. It's any expression that um, is harmful, incites harm, uh, promotes or propagates hatred, and is targeted against a group of people specifically listed in the bill. Um, or rather directed against a group of people specifically listed in the bill. It's perhaps a better way of saying it. So we see that a lot depends on how the bill defines harm, how the bill defines hatred, and which people are specifically listed in the bill. And this is where the pawpaw hits the fan. Because the current definition of harm, so the first element of the crime, includes substantial emotional, psychological, physical, social, economic detriment that objectively or and severely undermines the human dignity of the individual or group that the speech is targeted against. And mm. then obviously also the, sec the um, se second element promotes and propagates hatred against them. Now, this is a mouthful. <laughs> so let's break it down. Okay. First, let's look at the types of harm. The type of harm that will make you guilty of this crime are vague and they include undefined terms such as emotional harm, 
In other words, hurt feelings, Mark, because emotional harm is not psychological harm, which objectively would require a medical practitioner such as a psychiatrist to evaluate you and give you a diagnosis that, you know, Mark Penrith's words against Daniela caused her such, you know, severe psychological harm that she is now suffering from PTSD. Yes. You know? So emotional harm is feelings. So we are talking about finding someone guilty of a crime and sending them to jail for up to eight years for words that theoretically could have substantially hurt someone's feelings. And I mean, another very loose category being criminalized is social harm. And the Department of Justice um, on the at their last meeting with Parliament had not yet come up with the definition for this. But essentially, the department said it needs to be understood as anything that undermines the social cohesion in South African society. So very broad. So here we are talking about the first element, types of harm, mm. that are iffy, hard to define, impossible to prove, um, which brings me to another problem, being um, the fact that the state doesn't have to actually prove that Mark's words actually caused Daniela any harm. They don't have to prove any direct causal link between the words you said and any harm actually suffered. So the concepts of harm being included are these very loosey-goosey, no proof required harm concepts in a criminal law which can land you in jail for up to eight years. And just one last thing on the first element. Mm. Let's look at the degree of harm. So if you're talking about eight years in prison, eight years jail sentence, that is a very long time in prison. And one would expect that the degree of harm that your speech is supposed to cause should be something like gross. Mm. Um, but all that this bill requires is substantial. So again, the entire question for the first element boils down to could your words possibly have resulted in substantial hurt feelings? I, I have a I have a ten year old boy and uh, his feelings are hurt at the slightest issues around him all the time. I mean, uh, just the the lack of definition and clarity around the bill is kind of staggering. And you can imagine how many people uh, might feel that they have just cause to bring this before courts. Uh, uh, it, it it doesn't make sense. But you've covered the, the, the first problem or the, the problem with the first element, the harm. But what about the other two elements, uh, promoting or propagating hatred against a group of people specifically listed in the bill? Uh, do the other two elements also suffer from problems? What's for essays take on them? Yes, Mark, so you've, you've um, correct, correctly recapped that because the bill proposes defining hate speech as um, any expression that is harmful incites harm and we've now said the big problems of harm you don't need to prove it uh, you only have to you know theoretically have substantial harm you don't need something like gross harm and it includes vague concepts such as emotional harm hurt feelings and social harm which we still don't know what it is mm. um, which brings me to the second element which is to promote and propagate hatred because remember hate speech is harmful incites harm promotes or propagates hatred against a group of people specifically listed in the bill yes so turning to the second element hatred is undefined in the bill uh, no, no, perhaps because it's a notoriously difficult concept to define yes nevertheless mark parliament is proposing making it a crime to 
say, display, share anything that could potentially result, you know, theoretically in substantially hurt feelings. That promotes and propagates some undefined hatred against a group of people specifically listed in the bill. Are you starting to see the problems here? Yes, yes. So, uh, I... Uh, uh, Daniela, even as you even as you're talking, I, I, look, we we live in a complex country, right? Um, uh, we, we live in a, a country with all kinds of issues. I, I can understand why government might think that they need these levers for certain political related issues that we've even faced as a country in the past. Um, but but how does this affect? the freedom of religion directly because I, I can see that it does but maybe for the sake of the listeners where does this touch us as the church the most closely well Mark your freedom of religion which is enshrined in section 15 of the constitution is not only it doesn't only protect your right to believe in your heart as you want to believe so yes. not it doesn't only protect your religious freedom internally yes it also protects your right to take that faith out in public and live according to that faith, to manifest it in public. My, my right follows me to work. It, talking about it, sharing it with others, all of that, yes. right? So you can see how when you can't express your faith publicly, yes. you, you actually have no religious freedom. And, I mean, we've now spoken about things that, you know, theoretically cause substantially hurt feelings and promote some undefined concept of hatred against people specifically listed in the bill. And this brings us to the third element, which is another problematic area in, in the bill, which is the group of people. Yeah. Now, I have to say the latest version of the bill includes various lists of people, some are longer and some are shorter, for an option of how, you know, the list of people specifically listed in the bill could look. Okay. And... Some of these groups are highly controversial, such as sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression, and sex characteristics, which I want to say is all undefined in the bill. And then, of course, your, um, you know, uh, more standard things such as just gender. Now, let's look at how this would affect religious speech, because that was your question, right? Mm. Um, let's say that you post on your Facebook that a man is the head of the home and women need to submit to their husbands. Um, Great. Now, all the Bible question and, and answer uh, uh, this morning is going to be around complementarian and egalitarianism. Thank you so much, Daniela. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I'll, I, leave I, you to, I'll I, leave you to that debate. I'll just say I'm very traditional on that one. But, but I can see anyway, how a pastor of a church a, might a, make a that Facebook side, post. Because Poirier's yeah. is obviously doctrinally neutral and yes. faith neutral and all of that. But sure. yes, good luck with that one. That's always a, <laughs> a nice hot debate. So let's see. That hot debate opens up, right? Now, is something that someone is going to say is it theoretically going to cause substantially hurt feelings for someone um you know and we don't know what promote or propagate hatred means so you know that's loose in the juice as well and it's on gender mm, mm. yes but do you understand the problems with this ball yes so so daniela and, and i mean to get to get more let's you know to get a bit more um, into some heated topics last year. I mean, an example I've been using in interviews is, remember last year when, um, although the news broke about the uh, gender identity guidelines that the Department of Basic Education is working on, mm. and um, 
there were so many articles and opinion pieces and oh, just things doing the round um, in media outlets and on social media about unisex toilets and what, what, what. Do you remember that? I article? remember it very well, yes. Okay. How many of, you know, those social media posts, those articles, those op-eds, would you say on the ground of gender identity, gender expression, or sex characteristics, perhaps. Mm, probably less likely, but gender identity and gender expression, definitely. On the ground of that, would have theoretically been likely to cause a substantial degree of hurt feelings, um, you know, and then obviously promote and propagate hatred is loosen the juice. Yes. So, so uh, Daniela, help me out with another, like just questions that are spring to mind when, you, when you're sitting with a bull like this. I mean, what happens? Let's just say, worst case scenario, it passes in its present form, uncontested, although I have no doubt that we're going to explain to people how to contest it shortly, but it passes in its present form. At some stage, surely it comes before a judge, and a judge in his right mind is is held by the tensions that exist within the Constitution, including right to religious freedom and freedom of expression um, and, and such like. D- d- I mean, isn't it isn't it feasible that that a law like this actually causes more harm to the judicial process because it just kind of creates this this massive whelm of of cases that come before the court and the court just spends all of its time saying, well, no, this is ridiculous, uh, and and ends up throwing a law like this back to the to the commission and saying, no, the, the, this actually can't stand. Or does that not happen like that? So, no, it doesn't quite happen like that because the court has to apply the law unless someone challenges the constitutionality of it. So, remember with the Equality Act, Peter, mm, yes. where the court found, and so just for listeners, the Equality Act is a civil law. So, the bill we're talking about is a criminal law where you yes. go to jail and you get a criminal record. Yes. Peter is a civil law where the court can order you to apologize, various other creative remedies that yeah. they can use, things like yeah. that. But you don't get a criminal record. It's not a crime. Now, Papira has a hate speech provision, which the Concord, I think, Mark, I forget if it was like 2020 or 2021, I think it was 2020, um, declared unconstitutional. Yes. But that law had already been enforced since 2000. Yes. So it took 21 years for that portion of the law to be declared unconstitutional. So a court will have to apply the law like, yeah, there are interpretation mechanisms they can use, but because of the separation of powers and because parliaments are elected representative, if Parliament decides to make a law, the court has to apply it unless someone directly challenges the constitutionality of it. Wow. So, so I mean, that's... So, we would have to directly co- challenge the constitutionality of this if it became law. The court isn't going to mirror mode of its own accord decide to take up something that the parties aren't pleading in front of it. Okay. I, I mean, that, that really does highlight the problem, doesn't it? It, it? it absolutely highlights the problem. And maybe just to rub a little bit of salt in the wound so people really understand h- how much of an issue this is, let's talk a little bit about how it may be easier to go to jail than apologize, which just sounds crazy, but it's something that 4SA has highlighted before. And it sounds like this might still be the case. Is, is that true? Yes. So, the effect of the bill is that it would be more difficult to be found guilty of the civil offence of hate speech under the Equality Act, like we just said, which is where you can be ordered to apologise or, um, I mean, the court, I think, ordered 
I think it was Vallabi Kamalo to go stay with the people that he had uh, directed his speech against. And mm. he completely had a turnaround and eye-opening experience living with the people that he had, you know, committed the offensive hate speech against under okay. the Equality Act. Yes. Um, so it would be more difficult for the court to find you guilty of hate speech under the Equality Act and order you to apologize then for the court to find you guilty of a crime of hate speech and send up to eight years in jail for. And that's because that the definition of hate speech, these elements of hate speech in the um, in in the hate speech bill are more widely defined than they are in Puputa. I, I mean, just crazy. No, it is. So, I mean... Even if one looks at the, you know, uh, the, the argument that you sometimes hear is that, oh, but, you know, in a civil case, you just have to prove on a balance of probabilities, you know, on a balance of probabilities, um, Daniela's speech, you know, would have caused um, deep emotional, psychological harm, you know, to mark on the grounds of him being a man and what, what. Um, and... Uh, promote or propagated hatred against him or men in general. Um, and that would be the degree that you would have to use to find me guilty of hate speech under the Equality Act and order me to apologize. But under the bill, which is a criminal law, you know, beyond reasonable doubt, theoretically, could Daniela's speech have caused some degree of, you know, substantially hurt feelings to Mark on the grounds that he's a man? And, you know, this loosen the juice promoted hatred against him or men in general. Mm. I, I, so do you understand the problem is that it's the wide definitions that are that are that are making this ball that's making this ball extremely problematic, especially if you consider. I mean, the point I keep coming back to is we've only had freedom of expression um, since 1994, um, since we became a democracy. Um, and we're, we're so ready to, to give it up again. And the state's so ready to legislate it away. We, I mean, what are we? We're not even 30 years into democracy yet. Mm, mm. Dan Daniela, you guys met um, with uh, Parliament or you attended meetings in Parliament uh, last week, right? Two meetings or, uh, if, uh, or yeah. Um, please tell me that uh, there's some good news that some wonderful something wonderful came out of those engagements and interactions well i mean the main concern from the committee members in the justice committee which is parliament's committee that's dealing with this bill um surrounded the proposed criminalization of hate speech um and one of the things that uh was raised was the fact that the bill you know, doesn't protect artists, academics, journalists, or religious people enough because of the way the, the exemptions are drafted on the bill. Because people would say, oh, but these categories of people are exempted. and But they're not. And I mean, this was pointed out by MPs because they give you a good summary of how the bill is supposedly protecting religious freedom or freedom of religious expression. It's, you know, a person in good faith shares a religious belief is not guilty of the crime of hate speech unless you know in simple language what he says is hate speech yes so you're not guilty of hate speech unless you're guilty of hate speech it's basically the synopsis of the the exemptions for journalists 
It's for artists, academics, religious people. And I mean, the way I, re- I say that because remember we said the bold defines hate speech as harmful, any expression, yeah. which you share, display, say, you know, whatever, um, that is harmful or incites harm, promotes or propagates hatred and um, against a group of people specifically listed in the bold. The exemption basically says, you know, if you're in good faith, share a religious belief, you're not guilty of the crime of hate speech unless what you say, um, you know, constitutes um, advocacy of hatred, which our constitutional court has said is the same as promote or propagate hatred. Um, that constitutes incitement to cause harm against a group of people specifically listed in the law. They're the same. So essentially, you're not guilty of hate speech unless you meet the criteria for, for the crime of hate speech. Daniela, what what happens next? Where, where can we point? I mean, yeah, what, what what happens next in this process? So, I mean, the Justice Committee at present is set to meet again on the ball on the 21st. Now, although I want to point out this date may change, and at this meeting, the members will be voting on passing the ball or not. So they'll be voting on which option um, for the different clauses they want. Um, I've gone through the options with you. None of them are wonderful. Um, and then they'll be voting on, okay, so this is now what the, the bill with the options that we want looks like. Do we want to accept it into law or not? And if they do, which I have to say is very likely because unfortunately, in spite of various members raising problems with the bill, the majority of members on the committee from the ruling party do appear to favor it. Um, so it's very likely that they will pass it and then it will make its way to the second house of parliament, the NCOP, the National Council of Provinces, where if it's again passed by the second house, it goes to the president to be signed into law. Now, there is one bit of good news, and that is that the second house of parliament will also likely call for public comments on the bill. Mm. Now, as always, when it comes to the meeting on the 21st of February, um, parliament before SA will... Um, share the link to the YouTube live stream on our Facebook page, Freedom of Religion is A. And as soon as the bill opens up for public comment again, we will let the public know. The bill is not currently open for public comment. Okay. Um, it is currently being considered by Parliament and Forest A will continue to monitor the process and keep you up to date as it develops. That's excellent, Daniela. And uh, maybe just to highlight to the listeners that are listening in and uh, have been tracking the conversation and who want more information on this or other issues in terms of the rolling conversation between the church and the state um, as it relates to the freedom of religion, um, point them to your website. That's www.4sa, that's F-O-R-S-A dot org dot Z-A. Um, and you've mentioned the YouTube channel, which you can find by just typing in Freedom of Religion South Africa. And you have a Facebook page, which is pretty active. And that would be Freedom of Religion South Africa as well. Thank you, Mark. Great stuff. Well, Daniela, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great to talk to you. And please continue to do the work that you guys do. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for the encouragement and all the best for the week ahead. Yeah. <laughs>